Okay, today uh, we are looking at session four. This is on. Okay. Session four. Stick with service. Though saved by grace, some of the Galatian believers had been beguiled. They had been mesmerized. They had been tricked uh, by the Judaizing Christians into believing that they had to be circumcised to be fully Christian. Bewildered by how these Gentile believers could be so easily taken captive by this erroneous teaching, Paul set out to explain in chapters 2 through 3 of Galatians the preeminence of faith to them. He wanted them to get that down path. And then he followed that by, the, by, by dealing with the ethical implications of that theology in chapters 5 and 6, ultimately highlighting freedom defined by faithful service to others. And that's what he culminates with in that chapter. So then let's look at the importance of serving others by looking at what the Bible says on verse 21 of your, of your guide. For you were called to be free, brothers, only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the entire law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out. Or you will be consumed by one another. Brothers, if someone is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual should restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves, so you also won't be tempted. Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceived himself. But each person should examine his own work, and then he will have a reason for boasting in himself alone, and not in respect to someone else. For each person will have to carry his own load. Therefore, as we have opportunity, we must work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. So the first question you have on your sheets then is, on page 119, is when have you received stellar service? Let me put it another way. When was the last time you could remember receiving stellar service? When was the last time you could remember receiving service that you were satisfied with? Service that was encouraging? Service that you didn't have anything to complain about? Anybody can remember a time when that happened? <laughs> Nobody can remember that, right? Whenever that happens, it stands out. You can never forget it. Because you, you, your mind goes back on all the times when you didn't get that kind of service and you were open for it. Mother's Day. Mother's Day. All right. Okay, there's one. <laughs> Anybody has still a service on Mother's Day? Yeah. Okay, we had a few. Okay, good. But we do, those times stick within our minds, and they make us feel appreciated. Right? Okay, notice the point on the page of, on top of page 120. What does it say? The point. 
Seize the opportunity to do what? To serve, not to be served. A lot of times we want to be served. It says seize, grab hold of, hang on to every opportunity that is available to you to serve, not to be served. Okay, let's look at the Bible meets life. Someone read that please. Bible meets life on page 120. One time a man booked a last minute trip on a well-known airline to see his dying grandson one last time. Traffic and long lines at the Los Angeles airport forced him to arrive at the gate 12 minutes after the plane scheduled department. But the airline had been informed of this man's tragic situation. Imagine the man's surprise when the pilot himself was waiting for him. The pilot said, they can't go anywhere without me, and I wasn't going anywhere without you. Mm -hmm. Now relax, we'll get you there, and again, I am so sorry. Mm -hmm. Good customer service isn't about making a sale or even keeping a customer. It's about doing what's right and helping another person. We're not talking about customers and business in this study. We're talking about relationships. But the principle still applies. We strengthen our relationships where we help and serve those we care about. Serving is a tangible way to love others. Okay, isn't it great feeling when you get that kind of service? Pilot holds the whole plane up for this man. Right. So not, nobody's going anywhere without me, and I'm not going anywhere without you. You know, good service. We all want it. Uh, you know, with the competition coming on now, you get all these calls. You're getting calls from BTC and yeah. Cable Bahamas, and everybody's trying to grab your business. And the whole, the big deal behind it all is service. And I was so surprised the other day I was sitting in my office, and I got a phone call on my office cell phone. And it was from BTC. Wow. Couldn't believe it. I had gone there, uh, uh, I think, a day before, because I had some concerns about. I have nine different phone accounts that I am responsible for looking, taking care of, and um, we weren't getting some of the bills on time. And then they introduced this late charge. Anybody saw that? Yeah. They're now starting a late charge, uh, charging the five dollars plus VAT if you pay your bill late. Uh, all right. So I said, you know, we always getting these bills late, and I got to go in there and sort it because we pay all the bills online, and sometimes the bank don't get it, and you know, all kinds of stuff. And so I went in there and I said, you know what, y'all get this e-billing thing. I want you to send all these bills by e-billing. All right. So the lady says, okay, that's no problem. We get that. But first of all, I still can't get on the Easy Pay website, and the password and the username they they don't work no more. And I went there about five or six times, and they tell me, oh, you know, they try it, didn't work, they give it to somebody, it didn't work, and then they give it to the person in the IT department. That person never called me back. So I said, listen, that woman, she, you, that woman you told me about, she never called me. And she apologized profusely. So I, I'll, I'll get on that. And I was so surprised when I got that call and told me she was still working on it. I, that was out of the blue. I just couldn't believe it. And uh, she said, I'm going to be off on Monday, but I'll be back on Tuesday, and I'll give you a call. I said, wow. They, they're afraid of losing business. But good service is what everybody wants, right? Yeah. Good service. Okay, let's look at the text again. See what the Bible has to say. Uh, someone read verses 13 to 15. Galatians 5. It's on page 121. 
Okay, so Paul began this section by reminding the Galatian believers that they were called to be free. You know some believers still believe, don't believe they're free? He used two terms here to set the, set the limits for the Christian life. The first is called. See that word? C-A-L-L-E-D. You were called. You were called. You didn't volunteer. You were called to be free. The first one, called, by which he meant God's call of a person to become a Christian. God called you to become a believer, a, a Christ follower, a little Christ. If God is the one who calls us to faith in Christ, then only God has the right to define the Christian life. The second term he uses is free. Free. We like that, that term, right? Free. Anytime someone mentions something, free. You know, my wife got a text yesterday on her phone that says this new store is opening in the mall and they were giving out a free phone and a free tablet every hour on the hour. Okay? Free. And then later on that evening, you know, we were sitting around and she said, wow, look at this. And she showed me a picture of all these people lined up outside of the store at the mall. And I think she said, um, Nita, uh, Sister Nita sent her this, this picture. Uh, probably Nita probably went to the mall for something and she saw all these people lined up and she took a picture and she sent it out to, to different people and she showed me all these people. But people like free stuff, don't they? Anytime you get that, free. Everybody wants it. And so the second term that Paul uses is free. You know, I was thinking I should have gone with that too, but I don't like starting lines. <laughs> I could use a new phone. This freedom is not some libertine understanding of Christianity. Rather, Paul was emphasizing that Christians are free from slavery to the Old Testament law and legalism. That's what they were free from. This freedom is not to be abused, nor is it a license for believers to sin. You know, and, and uh, I was in uh, Savannah, South Carolina one time ago, and we were doing door-to-door um, -door evangelism. And this young lady said the reason why she don't want to become a Christian is because believers, Christians, the way she put it, Christians use uh, use salvation as a as a license to sin. They believe that because they're Christians, they can do whatever they feel like doing, and that's one of the reasons why she didn't want to become a Christian. Boy, isn't that a sad indictment on believers? And that's what Paul is talking about here. Paul knew. That he said that this freedom is not to be abused, nor is it a license for believers to sin. Paul knew all too well that some Christians misuse their freedom. What he described as an opportunity for the flesh. And that's what he's talking about. In contrast, Paul commanded believers, the, 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 the Galatians, to use their freedom in Christ to do something else. To serve one another through love. He says, you want to use your freedom? This is how you use it. Not use it as a license to sin. Uh, some believe that they are saved, they are satisfied, and so nothing else could change. And as a result, they are stuck. Notice that you have a little caption on your, on your sheet that says the flesh. What does it say? 
You see that? It's in brackets there, the flesh. What does it say? This term can refer to the human body, but most often in Paul's writings, it denotes the sin nature. The person who lives according to the flesh is living a life which is contrary to and opposed to God. And normally the person who's living in the flesh is called a carnal Christian. Carnal Christian. Okay, let's have someone read the paragraphs on page 122. I love the emphasis at the beginning of verse 13. We're called to be free. In Christ, the proclamation of freedom has been issued. We are free, but free to do what? Our freedom in Christ is not a license to go back to our old lifestyles, to live like we did before we were saved. Notice the word flesh in verse 13. This refers to our sinful nature, the old person that continues to live inside us even after the moment of salvation. The flesh is the self-absorbed side of us that can grow like a cancer when, it, when let off its leash. It no longer owns us, but it likes to think it does. Paul knew firsthand about the continual pull of the old sin nature, and he regularly warned us to strive against it. Go on. Yeah, go on. The inward focus of our sin nature not only harms us, but also our relationships. If I'm focused on myself and you're focused on yourself, how can we ever connect on a deeper level? When we focus inwardly, sins like selfishness, greed, and negligence quickly follow and sour our relationships. As Paul warned, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you will be consumed by one another. Paul also knew that the only remedy for the flesh was found in an ongoing relationship with Christ. See Romans 7.25. So, as we focus on Christ, we're also to focus on those he's brought into our lives. We should maximize our liberty in Christ by loving people through service. Serve one another through love, for the entire law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 13 and 14. Jesus blazed the trail back to the beauty of community. While the ultimate result of Christ's death and resurrection is the forgiveness of sin and a relationship without God, it also alters the way we feel about ourselves, no more guilt, and re revolutionizes the way we feel about others. We can now love people and we express that love through serving them. Okay. So notice what the question says on uh, page 122. What is the connection between freedom in Christ and the command to serve? What is the connection? Well, Paul, Paul, and Paul intentionally connected our freedom with the command to serve. He intentionally did that. Uh, we easily miss the paradox Paul intended if we, have, if we read only the English but it's impossible to ignore it in the Greek. The word translated serve in the Greek means to be owned by another, to be a slave. That's why Paul asserted the freedom of the Galatian Christians. He followed up immediately with the call to use their freedom in slavery to one another, set free from self, 
they are now free to serve or to be slaves of one another through love. And so the connection between freedom and Christ and the command, command to serve is love. That's the connection. By love, he says, serve one another. Or because you love one another, serve one another. And so when we're not serving one another, we're actually in a practical way not demonstrating love for one another. See how simple that is? Next point uh, we have on our sheet is, what's your ideal service project? Page 123. See that? What's your ideal service project? What problem would you address in terms of a service project? You get a whole lot of things that you would like to see happen. You know, we complain about a whole lot of stuff. All right? And uh, sometimes all it takes for us to get a project. You complain about this, complain about it. Well, take on one of those things that you complain about as a project. And that's the whole idea here. What's your ideal service project? The one that concerns you the most, the one that irks you the most, the one that gets under your skin the most. What problem would you address? What would be your ultimate goal? How would you endeavor to solve this problem? What resources would you need? And what steps would you take to accomplish your goal? That's a good project to undertake because sometimes we, we complain about something and when in actuality there's something we can do about it if we take it on as a project rather than just complain about it. And so that's a good project. That's a practical application project that we could take on. Okay, let's then look at uh, there's a caption there on your sheets uh, that says the law of Christ. See that? It says, shorthand for Jesus' teaching that the whole law could be summed up in the commandments to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Let's have someone read uh, verses 1 to 5 of chapter 6 on your sheets. Again, we're page 121. 121? Yeah. Back to the scripture reading. Read from verse 1 to verse 5. See it? Um, 6-1. Yeah, 6-1. If someone is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual should restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourself so you also won't be tempted. <coughs> Carry one another's burdens. In this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If, for if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each person should examine his own work, and then he will have a reason for boasting in himself alone and not in respect to someone else. For each person will have to carry his own load. Okay, so in verse 1 of chapter 6, Paul again addressed the Galatian believers as brothers as those that he had a relationship with, signaling a new topic, but also emphasizing their spiritual kinship and his warm feeling for them. He gave the example of a person who was caught in, a, in any kind of wrongdoing, no matter what it was. And sometimes we categorize these wrongdoings and, 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 and put people in categories and figure they, they did that, something that bad and they're not worthy of being, being forgiven. The phrase can mean discovered in the act of sinning, that is caught in any wrongdoing, could also refer to discovered in the act of sinning, 
It also can have the sense of someone suddenly being overtaken and overwhelmed by a strong temptation that they are unable to get over. The results is that they slip or they fall or they lapse, as we would probably call it. Paul asserted that those who were spirit-filled have a responsibility to restore that person. If you think you're so spiritual, then do something with your spirituality in terms of someone who has slipped up in their spirituality. That's what he's saying. Restore them. The word restore carries the idea of setting something right again. Something that's broken, you take it and you fix it and you put it back the way it was. Much like mending a fishing net or setting a fractured bone. The restoration was to be done with a gentle spirit rather than with a harsh, judgmental attitude. Now, if you're going to do it with a harsh, judgmental attitude, you might as well don't do it. Because you're only going to put sour or pepper on the wound or salt on the wound in doing it. Okay, so you might as well just don't do it. Okay, and sometimes we do that. Uh, we try to help our brothers and sisters and we just rub it in. And it just makes the whole situation worse. And they, came, they come out of your so-called restoration feeling worse than they were at the beginning. Okay, so that's what Paul is talking about. He says, do it with a gentle rather than a harsh spirit. You, know, you already know they're wrong. They know they're wrong. Don't rub it in, is what he is saying. And then in verse 2, not only were the spiritual ones responsible to restore fellow believers, they were also responsible to carry one another's burdens. See that? The word burdens refers to loads too heavy to bear alone. In other words, you know what they, we sometimes use the expression, shall I know what you're going through? Well, if you know, then you help them. Because you can identify with the load that they are bearing. So help them. And that's what Paul is saying here. In this context, it may be referred specifically to the moral faults that he mentions in verse 1 of chapter 6. The work of carrying others heavy baggage was the responsibility of slaves. As Paul was emphasizing again, the Christian freedom was not freedom to indulge every desire, but rather it meant that the freedom to enslave ourselves to others in love. This kind of burden, build, burden bearing is what he was talking about when he says this will fulfill the law of Christ. That's what fulfilled the law of Christ. Burden bearing. Okay, let's uh, have someone read the paragraph on page 124. When it comes to relationships, many people place all their eggs in one basket. That basket of choice is typically the one that brings about the most warm fuzzies and public pats on the back. In Galatians 6, Paul gave us a more effective way for using our energy and time, helping others along. One of the most important roles you play in the lives of others is to help them see their blind spots. Anyone who drives a car can grasp this idea. I remember being saved at the last second by my loving wife shouting, Honey, there's a car beside you. In a panic, I yanked the wheel and returned to my lane unscathed. As my heart rate slowly returned to normal, I offered thanks to my wife because her intent really had been to help me 
and not to throw me into a cardiac arrest. <laughs> because of her, I had dodged a bullet. <clears throat> Paul challenged the church to gently, lovingly, and sensibly serve others by helping them see the way they wound themselves or others. This process requires much prayer, but it must be a part of healthy relationships. Paul also drove home the need for tangible forms of service, carry one another's burdens, and this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Strong relationships call for us to help carry loads. It's a lot easier to move a heavy piece of furniture when someone is there to help you carry it. It's still my load to carry, but by coming alongside and helping me carry it, you ease my strain. In a sense, my burden becomes your burden as we carry it together. Notice it goes both ways. You help carry my burdens, and I help carry yours burdens. This, of course, requires appropriate self-disclosure and soul-bearing. After all, people cannot help you get something they know nothing about. Amen. I'm going to miss your reading. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, look at, let's look at the highlights here now. Notice the highlights of, of the points that uh, we want to keep in mind. And the first one is, one of the most important roles you play in the lives of others is to help them see their blind spots. That man's wife was able to help him see the blind spots, otherwise they would have been in a wreck. Okay, and so our job is the same thing. It's an important role, it's a vital role. Just like he avoided, the husband avoided that car wreck, we can avoid believers ending up in wrecks in their lives, spiritually, by noticing the blind spots and pointing it out to them. Okay, so that's an important role uh, that we need to remember. The second one is, Paul also drove home the need for tangible forms of service. Notice this, carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Strong relationships call for us to help carry loads, not to be spectators and ridiculous. Because sometimes believers just stand on the sidelines and they know what the brother or sister is going through. They say, boy, instead of helping them, they go and talk to another. Boy, you see how old she's going through? Man, that must be rough. That must be tough. Rather than going alongside and helping them carry the load. So let's not be spectators, but let's get in there. Let's jump in the trenches and help. And that's what Paul is talking about here. And then the next point uh, that he makes is notice that it goes both ways. Okay? It goes both ways. You help carry my burdens, I help carry your burdens. Think about this way. Just as you look at a brother or sister carrying a load or a burden, somewhere along the line, you're going to find yourself in a situation later on where you're going to need somebody to help carry your burdens. Okay? So when you look at that brother or sister carrying that load, the thought that ought to come to mind is, but by the grace of God, there go I. Because somewhere along the line, you could, the, the situations could be reversed. And they would more than likely, you, when the situations are, are reversed, more than likely you may be thinking, boy, I wish I had somebody who could help me carry this load. So it goes both ways. And we need to remember that. So when we see another brother or sister carrying a burden, we need to remember that they ought not to be carrying that burden alone. They've got somebody to help them, and that someone is not for you to think of somebody who's going to help them, but for you to jump in the trench and say, hey, can I help you with that? 
What can I do for you? How can I help you? Okay, question number three on page 124. How can we help others see blind spots in a way that strengthens relationships? How can we see, help others see blind spots in a way that strengthens their relationships? Now notice, uh, it's important to understand that we don't perceive here help others see their blind spots to mean be brutally honest. Because sometimes you could be brutally honest in a situation about someone's blind spots and it could do more harm than good. It could be do, do more damage than good. The question is intended to challenge us to offer critiques while still maintaining a strong relationship. In, all, in other words, constructive criticism. Okay, critiques that's not going to damage the relationship or that's going to isolate the relationship, but critiques that is going to help them see that they actually have a blind spot that they can't see, but you can see, and you want to help them with it. That's what is intended here. Okay, the next question. On page uh, 124, question number four, what does it say? What actions and attitudes enable us to do what? Carry one another's burdens. Now, in verse 5 of the passage we just read, uh, Paul explains the apparent contradiction between uh, his commands in verses 2 and verses 5. This appears to be a, a contradiction of Paul contradiction of Paul's call in verse 2 to carry one another's burdens. For each person will have to carry his own load. Remember he says that, right? Each person must carry his own load. To begin, Paul used one word for burdens in verse in chapter 2, in chapter 6 verse 2, and another for load here in this verse. So he uses two different words. The plural burdens meant something particularly oppressive. Whether the burden of obedience to the law or the tyranny of temptations, a weight no individual could carry alone. The word load is similar but can mean a load that a person can and must carry alone. This would include a soldier's or a pilgrim's backpack, student's backpack. Paul called on believers to take responsibility for themselves before God, but also to seek to help others when the burdens of life threaten to overtake them. And so even though he says everyone should carry their own burdens, he says we should also recognize that there are some people who at times the burdens that they have is too much for them and it threatens to overtake them. And those are the burdens that we ought to help them with. Yes, everybody should carry their own load. Not just sit around and wait for someone to carry the load for them. Carry their own load and if you are perceived to have a need with the help that you need to carry our load, then others would come along to help. And so, Galatians 6.10 brings to, brings to a close Paul's argument for, argument and offers a strong challenge for followers of Christ. Let's look at verse 10 now of chapter 6. Someone read verse 10, please. 
therefore, as we have opportunity, we must work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. Okay, two Greek participles at the beginning of verse 10 could literally be translated, consequently, therefore. Taken together, they indicate Paul was about to make an application based on what was just said, what he just said, and that he was bringing his exhortations to a conclusion. He wanted the Galatians to understand that time was limited, and therefore they were to seize every single opportunity that presented itself to serve. In other words, time running out. And we often say that, don't we? You know, we don't know when the Lord's coming. The Lord's return is imminent. Okay, time's running out. Okay, and that's the point that Paul was making. Because time is running out, use every opportunity that presents itself to serve. The connection between verse 10 and the previous verses of this chapter, especially verse 9, is clear. In verse 9, Paul issued an exhortation to not get tired of doing good. Do we ever get tired of doing good? We shouldn't. I mean, you should get tired of doing bad. Okay, because there's a whole lot of that in the world. We don't need no more of that. Okay, but never get tired of doing good. Even though a large number of believers say that they want to serve, only a handful actually show up when the time comes to get involved. Can you get an amen to that? Amen. We hear that a lot. Amen. Over time, our frustration can make us want to throw up our hands and quit. Isn't that so? Believers, however, must not become weary in serving. Even when there seems to be no discernible benefit or reward. Sometimes we look at servants and say, boy, this really doesn't make sense. Okay, but keep on serving. That's what he's saying. We must carry on. This reason is that the proper, at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. So even though what you're doing don't seem to make sense, keep on doing it because there is coming a time when there's going to be a harvest to reap. We can rest in the certainty that a harvest will come in due time. Instead of waiting around idly for the harvest to come, however, we are able, we are to keep looking for opportunities to serve. The problem is a lot of people are looking for the harvest and they're not serving. They're focusing on the harvest rather than the serving. Okay, let's look at the paragraphs on page uh, 125. Sister Virginia, could you read that for us, please? Paul catches the need to demonstrate love to all, but he stressed the importance of Christians investing in other Christians. Relationships inside the church are held at the highest level. Uh, see 1 Timothy 5a. Believers must be sure to take care of their brothers and sisters in Christ. This serves as a great witness to those outside the church. 
Jesus said, love one another just as I have loved you. You must also love one another. By this all people will know that they, that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. John 13, 34-35. In his rich letter to the Romans, Paul made it evident that serving others is a huge part of offering our lives as a living sacrifice. See Romans 12, 1-8. While Christians should stand ready to serve in any way, the wisest way to serve others is by opening up your unique package of spiritual gifts. Consider how the Holy Spirit has hardwired you for ministry, and then use those gifts and abilities to serve and meet the needs that lie before you. All that remains for us to do is to open our hearts and eyes to see the needs and opportunities in front of us and then do something about it. Okay, thank you. Look at the opportunities before us and then do something about them. It's important that we remember that. So the next question is, what opportunities does, does your group have to work for the good of others? And we can sure think of opportunities that we have seen before and that nothing is done, no one has done anything about, and we could probably think about how can I do something about that. Okay, let's look at the live out as we wrap it up here now. Live it out. Where is God leading you to serve? Consider the following opportunities this week. Family. Be intentional about, intentional about blessing your family members this week. Make an extra effort to serve people you love the most. That's a practical application that we can take, on, take into, in, into consideration. Church, search for a specific way you can minister to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Start a service project or engage in a long-term ministry. And some of you are already in that. Community, think through your gifts and resources, then find a need in your neighborhood or community that corresponds with the gifts, those gifts and resources. Take action. And that's what it takes to make an impact, right? Take action. To follow Jesus is to represent him as a member of God's kingdom. Therefore, live your life in such a way that people can help, that people can't help but connect the name of Jesus with humble and loving acts of service. In other words, whatever you do, people should be able to connect what you do with the humble, loving service that Jesus himself would have done if he was walking on earth among us today. Amen? Amen.